0: We're blessed to continue on in our BIOS series, and our presenters today are Mandy and Theo Sutter. Can you give them a big round of applause? Fantastic. Now, We actually took some time earlier this week to do a recording together of our interview. and I want to thank um, Pastor Devo, and I want to thank Paul for their hard work to get the video all together. But I wanted to start with a little bit of an intro interview so that you all get to meet my friends, Mandy and Theo. Theo, are you ready? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Good. Mandy, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about your history and how you got to this place.
1: Okay. Um, So my mom is here today, I think, yeah. She and my dad are La Sierra College graduates from the 60s. They taught in Alvord schools. And then when I was in Tiny Tots, mom brought my brother and I to Sabbath school. And my first La Sierra memory is graduating to the kindergarten class down the long hallway and it was so big. Um,
2: she took the long haul down the long hallway. I did,
1: <laughs> I did. And then um, I was a public school kid, so I didn't feel really connected. So at some point my brother and I said, no more, church. But then Alvord was being weird and wouldn't let me go to La Sierra High where my dad taught. So my parents sent us to La Sierra Academy, uh, which, was, which was good. So I ended up getting plugged back into church, got baptized here and nice. yeah in this
0: water back here yeah back here was the scalding hot no <laughs> no okay good just checking
1: yeah i think i got baptized with greg mcfarland at the same time <laughs> um, if i remember correctly and then uh, nate and i met in academy but we didn't start dating until last year university uh, in college um, i graduated with a math degree but then dropped out of grad school because that was hard and nate and i got married we got married here the summer after they changed it, it used to be round, and, right. and it was 29 years ago <laughs> as of Monday.
0: Um, hey, all right.
1: And then we moved, to, we moved to Seattle. We lived there for 10 years. Our boys were born there. He got a job opportunity. We moved back to Rockville, NIH, moved to Cornell, up at Ithaca, and then came back here 10 years ago. So we've been here since 2013, and it feels like home, and we don't want to go anywhere else.
0: Oh, yeah, amen, amen. Very
2: good. We need improvements, but we don't want to go anywhere else.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Theo, for that. <laughs> now, we, when we talked, I, I thought it interesting. You two have a beautiful relationship. Your whole family does. You're very connected. Um, but Theo, what's one of the things that you love about your mom?
2: I love to go to Disneyland with mom. She is very, she is a good Disney buddy. She is, she's very happy at Disneyland. I can see it.
1: I, um, I would stay all day, but he won't let me. So.
2: <laughs> Our max is about, like, Five hours. Last time I stayed five hours, yeah. five or four or five hours.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of hours at Disneyland. That's <laughs> that's good. Mandy, what about you? What's one of your favorite things about Theo?
1: So Theo challenges me, and it's good.
2: So her favorite thing about me is me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is. He makes me. He makes me a, a different person than I would be otherwise, a better person. So but yeah, fantastic. just him.
0: Mm-hmm. So I've asked. What you liked the best about each other? I'm going to ask you the opposite now. Theo, what gets on your nerves about your mom? Mom's humor.
2: She uh, she dislikes. I dislike when she makes um,
0: dad
1: jokes.
2: Dad jokes. When she, <laughs> and she's not even a she's not even a male. She's a she's a female. She needs to be she needs to be the right gender to make the right gender jokes.
1: But you can't help but tell Theo a dad joke. He does the facepalm and the groan. It's, he's a terrific audience. So
2: I feel like I need to stop reacting so she can stop making the
0: jokes. But he Th- that's the way to make him stop, actually. Just stop he, reacting.
1: He can't. He can't, rea- he can't stop reacting. Zach knows this really well. He's nodding. <laughs> Theo always reacts.
0: What about you, Manny? What, what, what is the thing that annoys you the most about Theo?
1: Yeah. So he reacts. I mean, when he's mad, he's mad. Um, you know, and it's, it's When like, I'm mad,
2: I tell people how I feel. They're not going to get nothing out of me.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's challenging, and it's really hard, and it's, but it's good. I mean, that's like, he doesn't keep it in. He doesn't keep yeah. anything in. Uh, can I share the, we, <laughs> we went out, celebrated an anniversary. We all got passion fruit ice cream. One of us says, oh, we're a passionate family. And Theo says, we are not a passionate family. <laughs>
0: Very passionately.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's where the meme came from.
0: (laughs) Theo, what are you preoccupied most with these days? That's a big smile. Of course it's a big smile, because it's my book. It's my work. (laughs) A book. Very good. Theo, for those of you who do not know, is writing a book right now. And I think we should give that a big amen. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, he and his dad. He and his dad are doing that together. It's terrific.
0: And when, when will the first edition be done?
2: The, we'll be finished drafting by, we hope, September. However, it still needs to go into revisions and do all that fun stuff before we <laughs> get it out to everybody.
0: Fantastic. But
2: we hope you all read it.
0: Good. good yeah. Go get a book. It's from Amazon. <laughs> no, it's not on Amazon. Mandy, finally, um, just as we wrap up our little time before the video, what has been some of the most challenging and beautiful things with your journey or relationship with your son,
1: so uh, you're going to hear about um, some of the journey that we went on, and I've done a lot of, I guess, learning about myself because of having to learn how to be in relationship with my son, and I feel like I've grown a lot. Um, it's been it's been uh, it's been really exciting, um, yeah, to be able to grow in this way. Um, learn about relationships with people you know because of my kid because of how he challenges me.
0: That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen Theo and Mandy
1: (laughs) so Theo decided to be born uh, seven weeks early and yeah, that was, that was exciting. <laughs> uh, he was then in the NICU for a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, we, and he was just, you know, learning to eat and all, you know, all those things in the, you know, the lights they put on him and okay, two weeks, we can take him home. But they did a, a scan on his brain like they do before they're, I guess, before they're releasing newborns. And they saw something, maybe a shadow. They didn't know what it was. They we did the ultrasound and um, and then they called us and said, it's, it's this shadow, and they gave us the definition for it. It's, uh, it's called paraventricular leukomalacia, wow. which is, yeah, sounds really big. <laughs> I don't know. Can you say it now, maybe? But um, paraventricular leukomalacia. <laughs> you heard it enough. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's ara- it. yeah, so areas of, uh, and, um, of dead brain cells in the white matter of the brain. So, But they really couldn't. They couldn't tell us what it meant. It mm-hmm. could mean anything. It, it meant maybe he wouldn't walk. Maybe he wouldn't talk, maybe, who knows? They just couldn't tell us. And so how awful to have been through all of this and then to not know what was gonna happen. Uh, So um, that was hard. And we moved to um, near Washington, D.C. and they had uh, plugged him right into the early intervention program and he had every service you could think of. Yeah, we moved to Ithaca then, you went to school there, more services, Um, and then, then we moved to California, and we came back to La Sierra, and that was now. It's been ten years, so that was 2013. Um, and we found we got plugged into the Riverside School District because good special ed.
2: It was a very large transition. I it was very difficult to leave friends that I'd never see again, like, and um, one of my friends at my after-school program.
1: Yeah, Joyce, she was like your grandma, your yeah. your adopted grandma. It was like she was employed by that after-school program for you, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and she said after I left, she just stopped working. She retired. It's like <laughs> she didn't want to work anymore if I wasn't going to be with her.
1: <laughs> so that, that's the kind of impact that Theo yeah. had on uh, the people who, who got to know him, who we connected with really well. Mm. Um, and then the, a big medical thing here that was your surgery uh, when you were what fourth grade? Yeah. Yeah. Grade. They your feet turned in when you walked, and so they lengthened they um, lengthened your all various sorts of muscles. And then his feet too uh, to turn them straight, and he had casts up to his thigh for six oh. weeks. And then when he had them removed, that was the really hard time.
2: All oh, I remember is a blur of pain in, that, in those couple.
1: So that's why he needed. Um, assist assistance for walking uh, leg braces um, those sorts of things so cuz the muscles just don't work right they don't get the signals quite right with lots of physical therapy i think his first trip was uh, with when we finally got you out of the house after the cast off was spaghetti factory
2: yeah <laughs> my first, my first trip yeah we we got his we got i got out of the house And then they, you guys had like a shoe. You guys gave me like a shoebox because you guys were trying to make you guys were trying to help my legs bend, and I hated you for it. It was just like they emptied it and flipped it over so I could like rest my feet on it.
1: And since then, he he walks with a kind of wobbly walk.
2: I don't think I will. I don't think I ever will not walk with a wobbly walk.
1: Yeah, it's just gonna be me. Uh, but so that's all physical stuff, you know, and those are kinds of things you think as a parent, you can manage, you know, surgery, and okay, we're, we've dealt with these sorts of things. But then there's still the emotional things going on in there that maybe you feel you can't talk about, or you don't want to talk about, or you don't want to think about. And then the growing up stuff that happens at the same time. So he's now approaching middle school age.
2: Yeah, I'm approaching middle school age, which is stressful in itself, and then I'm going through puberty.
1: Mm-hmm. yep. But middle school was—we thought. Do you remember we enrolled you in band?
2: Yeah, that did not work.
1: We thought, <laughs> oh, he can bang on stuff. What was? Do you remember what it was so hard about? It was—it was the
2: was noise. I had to bring—I had to bring my uh, noise-canceling headphones that Gemma had gotten me.
1: But yeah, so band was awful. He just couldn't—he couldn't tolerate it. So we took him out of that. I don't remember what we put you in instead. Um, do you remember you got lost on campus?
2: With my skewed up schedule, I leave earlier than the I. Even earlier than the other students.
1: So, so they don't trample you, right? Yeah, so
2: I don't get trampled and I can walk easily navigate the campus. But it was, um, so I left way too early <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's Wednesday. It's like, is it time to go? Yeah, it was like six periods. So I'm like, it snuck out for some reason. And I couldn't get back in the gate and I was like, Sitty. I couldn't I couldn't go back because I knew it was about, uh, I knew the day was about to end and I, it would be a pointless for me to go back. So I just sat and planted for like 20 minutes.
1: So all these things you try to do to help your child, you know, you just make him make it worse. And then, do you remember, then there was the thing with Cameron. I remember he said, uh, your grandma's dead. Yeah. Cause like his grandma had just died and he was like, I don't know, processing that himself. <clears throat> and do you remember what you did? Yeah
2: no right to say that to me. I I got so mad. I, I, I ripped my nails through his arm and like Mm -hmm. had the, called the principal, he was like, sent into the principal an email. and like, here's what he did to me. And like, yeah, just have now paid for that.
1: But that was the catalyst for us to say we needed help. But we found then, uh, we, you know, he's plugged into California Children's Services because of his cerebral palsy. And somehow in you know, asking all these different places, we need help, we need something more. We're not getting, you know, does he need therapy? Does he need, what, what do we need? And they directed us to the MEND program at Loma Linda, where uh, they see kids of different ages with, um,
2: with multiple conditions.
1: So you have this whole family dynamic going on where something medical is affecting the whole family. So the mend program sees the child, but also the whole family, and they see the child. They in do a, a,
2: they do a support. They do, they do a group segment with the teenagers, mm-hmm. and then like about five, about five to six, they do multi-family where all the parents come in,
1: and the parents can talk with the kids. With the kids, everybody's all together. Do you remember the biggest thing that came out of that first round of mend was your relationship with dad? Yeah, that improved a lot. Like you didn't even realize that you and dad had some. I don't know. Yeah, some hard things, and Dad. It was hard for him to hear at first, but he really leaned into it and did what he, you know, worked hard to make the kind of, well, the kind of relationship he already thought he had, <laughs> right. but what his kid didn't see. You know, so just some, some spending more time together in different ways, connecting on different ways. Theo and I were good at the time. Um, I remember the therapist said we were connected. I felt kind of good that I could be a little, like, oh, I'm good, I'm good here. We, we have a good relationship. Okay, I have hard things going on in my life, but overall, we're good. And we finished that round of mend, and they told us we could come back if we needed to. And Theo would have these... Manic,
2: manic moods or spirals. He'd
1: spiral up and he'd get so angry. And he'd yell and he'd slam doors and punch holes in things. I
2: remember when it, we still haven't fixed the giant hole in our upstairs window yet.
1: Oh, the screen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um,
2: I got really mad when, one time when I, like, slashed a hole through the camera, the screen of Dad's office window. But he
1: had these moods where he would spiral up and he'd be so angry, and then he'd come down and he'd crash, and he'd be almost super compliant, like overly compliant. And we get like, okay, this is good, we're through that, we're good, it's all going to be good from here on out. I think I was out.
2: exhausted because I was so angry so much.
1: That's right. And then he would spin up again. And I remember being sure he had, what is it? Op- oppositional defiance disorder? You know, I researched all these things, the paraventricular leukomalacia things. You know, it's his brain. It's, you know, it's causing him to be this way. Um, and like, do you want to do mend again? And he'd say no. And he'd yell at me. No, I don't want to do it. But then, um, so that, what was that twenty seventeen? But then pandemic. Emotionally, I think we liked being home. Yeah. But then when things started opening up and we weren't ready to yet, and at the same time, Theo was really getting super anxious. So not even angry anymore, just so anxious he wasn't eating. So well, Theo was getting so anxious again. I remember asking him, should we do mend again? And Theo actually said, yes. Uh, so this one is one from your mend. Do you remember this is, what does it say Theo on it? how my body feels now. How and how I want it to feel in the future. And how I want it to feel in the future. So this is how you used to feel, and this is how you want to feel. And you say, where are you now?
2: I'm in the middle of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it,
1: doesn't,
2: it doesn't get very, it doesn't get to here. It doesn't, it, 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 it gets like to here.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then I come back to here, like five, for five minutes. I spend some time in my room for five minutes. And I can come out yeah. and talk. Yeah, this is my, uh, this is me up here. This is all me. And then it, my chest is like my anger box. I can't get out. I'm trapped in my anger box and I can't get out of my anger box.
1: Yeah. And those are angry colors, huh? Yeah, I did that on purpose. The body reacts, which we learned all through men, the body reacts to your, you emotionally. Like if you're feeling anger all the time, your body's going to react to that and shut down in different ways. And so what they find in the MEND program, the body can heal. Once you heal, you know the family system, and it was du- partly during this um, round of mend that I realized that we realized that Theo and I were not securely attached, and um, th- uh, so then I ended up going through my own mend program once he finished because I needed more. I could see from this that I had contributed to Theo's um, anxiety, his ang- you know his whole emotional state that. We learned that yeah, he, she
2: calls it the mirror effect.
1: And well, and also the, he's like a thermostat. You can feel what's yeah. going on in the room and you'll match whatever the highest emotion is, which was me and I didn't even know it. So here I was so anxious about society and stuff opening up again, I wasn't ready for all these things. And here I'm making my kid anxious. And I remember that point too, feeling broken isn't the right word, but like back whatever back. I knew before I, didn't, I don't lied know to? anymore. Not lied to, but like I always knew the right way to do things, right? And uh, well... Yeah, right, right. I, I,
2: I refuse to concede that point.
1: That's right. So we would... <laughs> see, and we can actually talk about this now. And it used to be before, well, you're going to do it this way. This is the most... You know, I'm a math major. Yeah, this is planner. the way it works. I'm a planner. You do it this way. And Theo couldn't say no to that because who says no to their parent until you become, you know... A teenager, I do. And then you say no all the time. (laughs) Or you go through MEND and you can actually have the conversation together. You know, you're not shutting each other down. You're actually having that. And so that was the point for me. And even Zach said during it that I was easier to talk to. Having this, going through this program with Theo, which was like, what? I wasn't already easy to talk to. (laughs) I, I thought I was. But no, so something changed that I can't even put my finger on. And learning about what emotions are and that they're a real thing um
2: but she did not believe
1: i did not believe yeah i have this paper in here with theo showing me where do you feel in your body all these different emotions and i still have a hard time with that i i studied math because i wanted to know well i like the answer in the back of the book yeah <laughs> you know there's <laughs> got to be a right way to do thing if we would all just do our thing you know if everybody would do what they were supposed to do it would all work out really it would work out fine and who needs emotion we should all be like, you know, Spock, Star Trek. You know, that's ideal. Hermit. Um, hermits in caves, right? We Which should I all disagree with you. You do. You disagree. And, Strongly. Very. Strong.
0: Um,
1: and now I understand that that's not that's not right. But yeah, I feel much more open now. My, I don't have to. The path is not certain, and I feel that also in my in my my, my religious life. Uh, Like looking at the Bible, like the Bible is much more rich to me now, because oh, it's not just an answer book that tells me how to do these things. It's all these people trying to figure things out, and what a what a gift, Um, you know. And yeah, and being as much as I like to think I can do everything on my on my own, do everything myself, I I now know that that's not right. I know we're supposed to be in community. Which still feels weird (laughs) to say. There's a part of me that still is going, oh, you can do it all on your own. You don't need other people.
2: Shut down that part of you. I know.
1: (laughs) So Theo reminds me, every once in a while I'll say, shouldn't we all just be hermits living in caves? And Theo will say no.
2: The most important thing I learned at Bend is probably to sustain connection and keep my friends close. So I have them when I need them. I can reach out to them.
1: One, one thing I learned from MEND is, so the people in your core, your family unit, they're, they're there to help you. And they're, you're, you're, your job also is to reach out to them and let them reach out to you and be available for that. So that's people in your, you know, your core group and, and then extending out from there. Um, so yeah, don't be, don't be afraid to look for the relationships. I'm wearing my, my uh, journey Sabbath school shirt today because um, my Sabbath school group is part of my comfort. They've seen us on part of this journey um, and it's been so helpful. Um, and then you know, a few key friendships. So yeah, not t- to be willing to reach out to those things.
0: Would you please stand with me as we read from the word. Mark chapter 2, verse 3 to 5, New Revised Standard Version. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith... He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. The word of God. Please be seated just a few moments today and for those of you who are very familiar with this particular story you might say pastor why only three to five that we haven't even hit the climax yet we haven't hit the good part there's the there's the big home run at the end where the paralytic gets to stand up grab his mat walk off the pharisees are put in their place and the people says the text are amazed of what jesus did Why would you skip all of that, Icky? Well, first of all, I only have 10 minutes. (laughs) Something had to go. Secondly, the portion of that story with the Pharisees is more like an editorial response to their reactions. It it hadn't reacted, uh, if they hadn't reacted that way in their hearts, Jesus would have never gone there, and that wouldn't have been a part of the Markin story. Maybe... Part of the problem of this story is that we think it can only finally resolve when the man can walk again. So, just a few minutes together today, I want to focus on these three verses. I sat with Mandy and Theo, and they were sharing. There was a lot of life in the room, and we were enjoying their talk. But as I began to listen into their mother and son journey, my ears tuned into Mandy's words and her heart as she shared, I studied math where the answers were at the back of the book. Mandy's early life as a cognitive, cerebral mathematician informed the way she interpreted her religion, the way she read her Bible, her relationships, her life, family, and her world. It was very clear-cut. Like many of us have at some point in our lives uh, dealt with life, right? If I do this and this then this is the result. This should be the answer. This is the expected outcome from doing this and this. Mandy had uh, been learning in her adventures with Theo, who lives with cerebral palsy, that the point of life is something much deeper and more encompassing than just receiving the expected clear-cut answer for life. And so we look into this story to see, is there more? Than what we have often read through. Firstly, take note of some people. Everybody say some people. Some people. Now say it with attitude. Some people. Some people. <laughs> the market author says some people came, bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them so we we want to just stop and pause and consider that there were more than four here there were some and four of the some were bringing the paralytic to jesus they don't say much uh except that jesus is the one the paralytic is being brought to We don't get to hear from the market author whether uh, um, the background of the paralytic. We don't know his name. We don't know his position in life. We don't even know how these some people are connected to the paralytic. We just hear that some people brought the paralytic to Jesus' emphasis. There were some people who cared enough to bring this person to Jesus. Then we consider the removing of the roof, right? Removed the roof. They removed the roof. First of all, let's not do that, people. Don't remove anybody's roof, please. Unless you're willing to add to their house. Somebody say amen. Amen. <laughs> When they couldn't find any way in because the house was so packed in, it was so crowded, they went onto the roof and they began to remove this roof and they began to dig through it to let the man down. So we consider the sum. The some people are very important because, you know, if you're coming from a distance, you might have to trade off carrying this guy. And then when you get there and you got to get to the roof, there might be some who has to dig while some carry, and they might pass him along, but they have to do it ever so carefully because this is someone that they care for, that they love. There's a connection, a relationship, a depth to their journey from where they started to the feet of Jesus. So they removed the roof. As I read about this and I thought about them removing the roof and they looked down, who is it that they would see probably first? Jesus. Now consider the healings in the gospels. Oftentimes people are looking up at Jesus just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jairus, right, where he came and he fell before Jesus. He looked up. The bleeding woman, when she was healed, came back, looked up at Jesus. There is this, there is this idea, I think, that is very, um, very uh, common among us Christians, that when we pray, we look up to God, that God is somewhere, this celestial being. It's very ethereal. It's very cognitive. It's out there. But in this story, they had to dig down to find Jesus. They had to dig together to find Jesus. And sometimes it is good for us to look our eyes up to Jesus, and other times it is more appropriate as a community to dig down together to find Jesus. We've got to break through some of the, the ceilings and the roofs that protect people who are comfortable with just the way things are. They would have much rather not have the paralytic in front of them. They would have rather have them maybe wait on the outskirts of the city until Jesus is done teaching before he can go and heal them. They don't want to see the brokenness of the world. But these people said, together, we're going to break through the comfort barrier of others that Jesus might be presented. Together. Sometimes, we need to be looking up and saying, Jesus, please. Other times, We need to be pulling together, digging down, breaking through barriers that we might find Jesus at work already. So they remove the roof. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus saw what was going on, and he makes this statement. First, and technically only statement, before the the reaction of the Pharisees. Your sins are forgiven you. No more beautiful releasing words than I forgive you. Let's practice it now. Turn to somebody and say, I forgive you. Turn to somebody else, say, I forgive you. Somebody's been waiting all week long to hear that from me. Praise the Lord. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus wasn't releasing The paralytic from some horrible specific act that he did to put him into this place. Jesus wasn't releasing him from some generational curse from his parents. Everyone is looking at Jesus right now. What is Jesus going to do? Before he utters those words, they're thinking, what would Jesus say? How is he going to give the answer we've been looking for? We have come. We have gone through the correct process. Hence, we expect that Jesus do something for us. They have come a different way. Unexpectedly, Jesus should have an answer for them. And that answer should make us feel good. And so they await to hear the appropriate answers of their addition what is this correct answer from the messiah to these interrupters how dare they interrupt we are doing a sacred thing we are honoring god we are sitting at his feet quietly respectfully humbly and they come in like a riot like a racket breaking through what is jesus going to do? does he rebuke them for damaging the private property Is he going to uh, yell at them for cutting in line? I'm sure there were others there who might be looking for a miracle. How dare they? They cut the line. And Jesus' statement puts everyone on their heels. Son, your sins are forgiven you. He does not speak to some specific sin He is speaking to a social status. He is releasing the paralytic from how others would see him. Jesus eradicates any past excuses by the community for prejudice. He releases the the paralytic from any past judgments or current judgments of the community on the paralytic. He is releasing this community from having to, to create a system of ableism so that the man could now be seen and known fully just as he is. This was a community that coddled and nurtured ableism. Disability inclusion training specialist Ashley S. in her 2019 online article, Ableism 101, writes, at its heart, ableism is rooted in the assumption that disabled people Require fixing and defines people by their disability This is what ableism in, in in our world So the larger community can no longer do this to the paralytic. They can no longer ignore him They must now see him. He is now a part of their community Jesus statement moves the paralytic from the outskirts of the sent to the center of the community And now they've got to treat him as part of the chosen family They can't just walk past him on the street. They can't just pretend like someone else will take care of him. They can't say that he's unclean or he's an outcast or he's a sinner. They must now recognize him because he's completely, fully forgiven. So now he is a valuable part of the family. Too many of us see people with multiple disabilities as needing to be fixed. The man was already whole. And the community was left to wrestle with this truth. Jesus says, he is now fully us. So, now the crowd must now contend with, he's he's here. We have to value his life. We have to see him. He's a part of us. He should be known as we are known. But that's not the answer for this particular story. When Jesus saw their faith, there it is, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, whose faith did Jesus see? Some people. Everybody say, some people. When Jesus saw the some people's faith, he turns to the man and says, your sins have been forgiven. Because of the some people and the way the some people cared and the way the some people saw him as a part of their community, he is now favored and part of the larger community together. Their faith, the faith of the some, their faith that carried their friend the distance. You have to be someone's friend to want to carry them a distance, church. Amen. Listen, I might carry you part way, but when I'm tired, you better call Uber. Uber. We're not having it. And I might carry you all the way there, but what? I got to climb a roof. No, not today. I'm in my best dress to see Jesus. To carry the man the distance means they had to care enough that that person had to be valuable enough to them, that he had to be centered in their community, that they would dare carry him the distance, and then bring him to the rooftop, and then tear the rooftop, and then bring him down. The faith of some people. Everybody needs a some person like these people in their life. Amen we need it church we need each other we need the some peoples who are going to say I'm going to walk the distance with you I know it's a, it's a difficult challenge I know it's a long ways I know sometimes it's inconvenient to me but I choose to walk with you turn to someone and say I'm going to walk with you tell somebody else I'm going to walk with you that's proverbial I'm not walking with anybody today it's too hot it is, it's too hot pray for Riverside the answer here isn't a healing it isn't clarity who sinned in his life him or his parents it isn't to make a mockery or a show of the paralytic it isn't to quote unquote fix him he is a whole person as he is The answer here is a community of people who would care to walk the distance. The journey of life is not clear-cut answers and perfect endings. It's not going to always be fair or easy or even just or right. It is full of mysteries that sometimes avail beauty and sometimes avail more challenges. But the answer to life isn't found in the back of the book. The answer of life is found in its chapters and its pages where we choose to write together as a community the love of God and how God is going to be in action in us. In the loving bonds of an amazing church, in the deep connections of our family unit, in the experiences of beautiful lifetime friendships, it is the commitment to carry each other The distance, where two or three are gathered, where we spend time praying, loving, caring, and yes, even disagreeing. Would you turn somewhere right now and say, it's okay to disagree? Let's get that that fixed in our minds today, church. I think there are, are some church communities that think we've got to all be on the same page about everything. No, it's okay to disagree. If you disagree with your family members in your house and y'all still together, it's okay for the church to disagree about things and stay together, amen? I disagree with my wife all the time, even though she's right. (laughs) She still chooses to be married to me, mercy. Even to points of disagreement, we were meant to be together. We're God's children, locks arms, and dares to hold each other tight through the thick and the thin of all things. The man was already whole because he had some people who loved him deeply enough to go the distance with him. The power of the story was never about being healed. It was always about being known. May we leave today seeing with our eyes and daring to know each other better, recognizing our holistic value that each of us were made and created in God's image. Mandy said this as she moves, transitions from her mathematician identity to a mother who has experienced life and adventures with her sons and her husband. The people in your core family unit, they're there to help you. And your job also is to reach out to them and let them reach out to you and be available for that. In your core group and extending out from there. Don't be afraid to look for the relationships. Don't be afraid to look for the relationships. As much as I like to think I can do everything on my own, do everything myself, I now know that's not right. I know we're supposed to be in community, which still feels weird. We were meant to be together. And though we may not find the answers at the end of the book, we can write the stories in the chapters and in the pages as a family.